Everybody be cool. You be cool. First rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Is this a dream? Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. I thought not. If it were, they'd be wrong. Come with me if you want to live. I'm Catherine, and today I'm joined on the podcast by BBFC Operations Manager Edward Lamberti to discuss the 1971 James Bond film Diamonds Are Forever. Welcome back to the podcast, Ed. Thanks, Catherine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, good. Now, in previous episodes, we've heard you talk about westerns, including The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, and the James Dean film Rebel Without a Cause. Yep. But today we're going to be talking about another film franchise or Uh an institution which you know a lot about, which is um, James Bond, Mm -hmm. specifically (laughs) Diamonds Are Forever, which has a fairly interesting file here at the BBFC. Yeah, it does. Um, It's a film that's always been rated PG on video, but in 2012 it was resubmitted again for a Blu-ray and DVD release and classified up to a 12. That's right. Um, So I think we should start off by talking a little bit about this, but also Mm. giving a quick recap about what Bond gets up to in this particular film in the franchise. Okay, so Diamonds Are Forever, it's the seventh James Bond movie, 1971. Sean Connery plays James Bond, and in this film, Bond is on the trail of Blofeld, his arch enemy, after some rather dramatic events that have happened in the previous two movies. So when the film begins, Bond is sort of on the hunt for Blofeld, and this hunt kind of draws Bond into this diamond smuggling operation that he starts to investigate, which takes him from... Uh, Amsterdam to the United States and you know it, it becomes a kind of an adventure a lot of it is set in the US a lot of it is sent sort of in and set in and around Las Vegas it's 1971 James Bond um, Sean Connery had played Bond a number of times by this point he'd actually retired from the role after You Only Live Twice but after On Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby who only played the part once the producers got Sean Connery back one more time to play Bond in Diamonds Are Forever. In 2012, we put this film up to a 12, and that actually makes it unique among the Bond films. Um, Unique in that it's the only Bond film that the BBFC has ever actually put up a category. Bond films on the whole, the, the first sort of dozen or so, the first sort of 13, 14 Bond films, had been kind of either A in the cinema when it was the old A certificate, or in the 1980s, PG. And they'd all been PG on home video, all all of them, without exception, until Licence to Kill, which was a sort of a, a big moment, because that got a 15, etc., etc. So Diamonds Are Forever had been one of the Bond films that had always been a PG on home video. But as you say, it came in again in 2012. All the Bond films had come into us again between about 2008 and 2012. Fox were releasing them, re-releasing them, they were getting Blu-ray releases, they were sort of remastered, etc, etc. So we saw all the films again in that period. And all the ones that had previously been PGs, Diamonds Are Forever was the only one that we put up to a 12. So that's why we wanted to talk about it in this podcast, because it's so fascinating. So when we first classified the film for its theatrical release um, at the end of 1971, we gave it an A. Now that meant that kids could go. Um, We did actually make a couple of cuts to the film in 1971. It was to a couple of moments of violence. There's a fight in a lift fairly early on. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to spoil the film for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's a fight in a lift in Amsterdam. Bond fights another man. It's quite a sort of bruising little punch-up. And that was reduced uh, for the A certificate. And the other uh, thing that was reduced for the A was a a later moment of violence, um, a sort of another sort of fight scene. So the film had been kind of trimmed... But on video, in 1984 and 1992, 
we'd passed it PG uncut. It had come into us in its uncut form and we'd passed it with no cuts. Examiners both in 1971 and in the 80s, did sort of acknowledge that there were sort of moments of violence that gave them pause for thought. I've got a couple of quotes here from the files, if if I can just sort of reach for them and um, read a couple of things out. 1971, in the file, the BBFC says, the BBFC is kind of wrestling with this decision to give the film an A. It talks about maybe giving the film an AA, but that would have prevented anybody from under 14 from seeing the film. And in the file it says, I have no doubt that if we give this film an AA, we'll be criticised because every child in the United Kingdom will see clips on television. But at the same time, the note says that I'm worried about the incidents of violence in the film, which, although nowhere near the intensity of some films, are still vulnerable to public criticism. And the note also recognises what's called the argument by precedent to which we will subject ourselves. So the notion here being that if we pass this film A without making any cuts, people will then hold us to that. And then if other films come in of a similar strength, we'll have to pass those A as well. So it starts to become this kind of precedent-setting decision. And at the time, of course, there weren't published guidelines either. So they had to really work on the fact of precedence and expectation both from yeah. the public and also filmmakers as well yeah if some if a, a future bond film came in yeah. and, and the intensity was creeping up again yeah it was so much harder for them because they didn't have published guidelines yeah. to say well no the guidelines say this yeah and and these are the limits that's absolutely yeah interestingly we did get one letter of complaint in the file uh, from uh, relating back to that original cinema release and this is from sort of Uh, June 1972, somebody wrote in to say that they thought it was a disgrace. And I quote, that a film with such an easy attitude towards violence and sex can escape to the British public without any real restriction on the audience. So somebody was not impressed with our A decision. And the BBFC responded to that. What the board said was, you know, does indicate the care that the board took over making the decision. They say, thank you for your letter about Diamonds Are Forever. We thought very deeply, put a good deal of work into this film before giving it an A certificate with some alterations from its original form, i.e. that we made some cuts. So then the film was passed uncut as a PG in 1984 and 1992. Worth noting, of course, as we've noted in some of these other podcasts, that in the 80s we didn't have the 12 category. Okay, so there have been some films that got PG in the 80s that have since gone up to 12. Diamonds Are Forever is clearly one of those. Examiners at the time did note you know, that they had a bit of sort of um, disquiet about some of the violence in the film, but it was past PG uncut. Fast forward to 2012. We're watching the film again. We're watching it under the guidelines that we had at that time. And when we watched Diamonds Are Forever, it had to be a 12. Now, there are a couple of moments that are mentioned in the examiner's report. Interestingly, they're not really the two moments that were cut for the A in 1971. It's not those two moments of violence. It was a couple of other things in the film. Right at the start of the movie, people who are familiar with the Bond films will know that most Bond films begin with a pre-credit sequence. So there's a few minutes of kind of adventure setting up the story before you go into the credits and the song and, and so on. And Diamonds Are Forever is one of those. It starts with Bond on the trial of Blofeld. And the film begins with him beating up a couple of men, sort of saying, where is Blofeld? And sort of forcing the information out of them. He then meets this woman who's kind of sunning herself. And so she's wearing a bikini in that. And he says to her, there's something I'd like you to get off your chest. And he reaches behind her, pulls her bikini top off, puts it around her throat and starts to throttle her. We get a close-up of the woman choking. And Bond is asking, you know, where is Blofeld? And he says, speak up, darling, I can't hear you. And then the film cuts to the next scene. Now, that moment, it was determined when we watched this in 2012, that is not a PG moment. No, it doesn't sound like a PG moment when you describe it. No. I mean, the examiner's report notes, it's not sexual violence as such, but it is violence with a kind of 
slightly sexual undertones. That kind of male gaze. Male gaze, a woman with a bikini. Yeah. He rips it off. Doesn't al- feel, instinctively doesn't feel like a PG no. kind of moment. There's also something rather unpleasantly misogynistic about that yeah. moment. Speak up, darling, I can't hear you. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a man throttling a woman with her bikini top. It's not PG. So yeah. so that, you know, that was, you know, one of the key moments that led to the decision. There's also a later moment where Bond calls the sort of the main woman in the film a bitch. It's a relatively humorous moment. There's been some confusion over over some tapes that she was meant to swap as part of the plot for her and James Bond to defeat the villains. And she kind of gets it wrong. Bond puts it right. And then he um, goes over to her and sort of says to her, bitch, in a, in a sort of witty way. But again, these days, that's not really PG. And then there's other moments that, that actually were cut originally. They're kind of aggravating factors. You know, the fight in the elevator, it is quite strong. The elevator is a confined space, as elevators usually are. It's also a glass elevator. It's one of those lovely old-fashioned elevators. This is in Amsterdam. So there's glass that's smashing. It's a bruising fight. And then another thing that that was noted um, when we saw it in 2012 was the portrayal of the two homosexual hitmen, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd. Diamonds Are Forever is quite famous for these two characters. They're very striking. They would have been very striking indeed in 1971. And they kind of wander through the movie, kicking off anybody who's getting in the way of the drug smuggling operation. So it's alluded to in the film that they're lovers. And there's perhaps something rather derogatory about the way they're portrayed in the film, even though one could also argue that for 1971, it was possibly even quite progressive even to have two openly homosexual characters in the film. We do see this occasionally where things like attitudes towards women and attitudes towards same-sex couples in really high-profile films from the 70s are received in a quite a different way now to yeah. as they were the first time they came in. That's right. Kind of the same-sex couples thing now is goes completely under our radar, under the classification guidelines, um, but attitudes towards women is obviously we're much more sensitive towards that as yeah. well. I mean, it, this decision that we made to, to sort of to up the category from PG to 12, it's kind of an example of how attitudes change across the decades. That, that a film that, you know, in previous times we've looked at and thought was fine at PG, we're now saying, no, actually, you know, of all the Bond films, all the early Bond films that had always been PG, this one actually now needs to go up to 12. So these days, the more recent Bond films, especially the ones we've seen in the last few years, have been classified 12A for cinema and mm-hmm. 12 on DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. So would you say that Diamonds Are Forever, a Bond film from 1971, do you think it's quite similar in strength to films such as Casino Royale and Spectre? I think there's a bit of a difference. I think Diamonds Are Forever is a film that has got elements in it that now take it out of PG into 12. The PG category is general viewing but some scenes may be unsuitable for young children most of the early Bond films are still fine at that category but Diamonds Are Forever has these moments that we've talked about they take it out of that the more recent Bond films films particularly probably Casino Royale Spectre they're kind of slam dunk 12s 12 A's they weren't going to trouble the PG category. You know, they are sort of fairly and squarely 12 A's for a number of reasons. I mean, for example, I've got the insight lines that we gave to Casino Royale and Spectre. Casino Royale, one scene of torture and strong action violence. Spectre has moderate violence and threat. And in the extended insight for Spectre, for example, we mention a number of scenes of moderate action violence crunchy blows and shootings, occasional sight of injuries. So the more recent films have a number of things in them that put them fairly and squarely in the 12 category. Diamonds Are Forever is a fascinating kind of transitional Bond film. The Bond films of the 60s, even though they're full of kind of some rather grandiose elements, are by and large played straight, as it were. They're set in the real world. 
Diamonds are forever is still set in the real world, but it's much more fantastical. In fact, one of the um, one of the examiners in 1971 mentioned this and said, quoting, it has much more of the fantasy element than in most previous Bond films. Fans have talked about Diamonds Are Forever as being a film that sort of tips Bond from the kind of the 60s into a more fantastical 1970s kind of era. So it has this sort of a kind of a, a sort of an insouciance about it, a sort of fantastical thing about it that gives it a kind of sassiness, perhaps, that means it's got this kind of, it's kind of like a melting pot of kind of, of characters and and sort of um, colourful incidents and all, all sorts of things. There's stuff to do with outer space and there's stuff to do with, you know, there's Las Vegas and gambling and there's all there's all manner of things going on. I mean, Mark O'Connell in his book on Bond called Catching Bullets, he ha- says that the film has a kind of seedy after-hours quality. And I think that's really right about the film. And, and it, it makes the film quite, you know, quite fun for that reason. And something else I really love about it is the location shooting in Las Vegas in the early 70s. Um, so Diamonds Are Forever has got a, a, a kind of a potent atmosphere these days, perhaps because of those sort of representation issues that we talked about. You know, that that's one of the reasons it feels much more right at 12 than PG. Well, thank you, Edward. That was a really interesting oh, episode, I you. think. And I really think we should have you back to talk more about Bond in the future. <laughs> no, more than happy if to. If you don't mind. I'm more than happy to. Now, if you've got any questions you'd like to hear answered on the podcast or specific films you'd like to hear us talk about, please email us on podcast at bbfc.co.uk or you can use the feedback form on the podcast page or you can tweet us at bbfc.